<clears throat> Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Landry Football Podcast here. <clears throat> Let me start that over. Choking here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Landry Football Podcast. Yeah, I know it is on Friday. What am I doing with the Landry Football Podcast on Friday? We normally do this on Thursday. It's been a bit of a rough week. Don't, don't, uh, not complaining, but just been a rough week. And um, um, we had to make some changes. Actually, had a few people fairly close to me pass away from Super Bowl Sunday on. Um, classmates, coaching buddies. Um, it's just been one of those things. They say uh, bad things come in threes. Uh, bad news comes in threes. I, I don't know. This came in like five. So it's been a been a rough week. And uh, another unexpected situation uh, kind of led to some moving around with the, you know, the, the show on um, – on Wednesday and Thursday. Anyway, back didn't even get to Scout's eye on football on Wednesday, and apologize for that. So, got some catching up to do, but going to be here with you. Um, obviously, each and every week on Landry Football, and, and certainly you can catch us live on Twitch and send in your comments. We've got a lot to discuss. Want to talk about the Bucks? The breakdown of the Bucks win over Kansas City, and some things that some observations and I know it's a, almost a week old now, but um, want to get into some of the early look into kind of a uh, little bit of uh, some questions on Tom Brady and, and kind of his coming out of Michigan. So we got, got a lot to get up to. We will certainly take uh, your questions and your thoughts in the comment section. I see you there, uh, Rock and, and Kev. We really appreciate you. We're going to get to it. I promise. Want to first tell you about um, again, uh, the great folks at Radio Influence that bring you this podcast. Uh, so thankful for them uh, and certainly encourage you to check out all the latest uh, at LandryFootball.com for all the breakdowns uh, as we get back into a regular routine. We've got everything for you that we think you could like uh, working on uh, NFL free agency, uh, the NFL draft, um, you know, that's going to continue throughout the spring. Uh, as we always do, uh, roster analysis in college football recruiting. As uh, for those of you that may have just been listening to us on SEC football and beyond, keep you up to date on recruiting on that show, and certainly we will here as well. But certainly, uh, making sure that you are in tune with everything in football—that's what LandryFootball.com is all about. College football, NFL recruiting, draft, free agency, personnel, coaching—we got it all for you. So. Check it out there. Um, we want to thank, um, you know, um, Rock and Kev. I'm going to get to your question here in a second. I want to talk a little bit about the Bucks performance in the Super Bowl and kind of where that kind of stands in, in and of itself. A very impressive coaching performance, but an execution of a game plan that really took advantage of significant weaknesses um, of a Chiefs team that, you know, everyone will certainly look at distractions that they had, certainly the offensive line issues. And actually, I did the uh, scout film room grade review with team and player grades uh, for both of the teams and gives you an idea of kind of you know, the winners and losers of the game, who really – really struggled and how all the players graded out and offensive defensively and special teams for both teams. <clears throat> but the, the thing that jumped out at me in that game is the fact that defensively they did such a tremendous job against an explosive Kansas city offense. So it's not just a game plan, but the execution of it. It's one thing to have a game plan against this Chiefs offense, but to be able to execute it. And one of the things we talked about in the preview of the game was what the Bucs needed to do to win this. A, Brady was going to have to be the best quarterback on the field that day. Well, Brady performed the best. I'm not saying he was the most physically gifted, and certainly – the offensive protection, the offensive line of the Bucks allowed Brady to be great. 
whereas the Chiefs' offensive line struggle and Mahomes wasn't his great self. And perhaps this is a lesson to everyone that regardless how great you are, if you don't have the help, if you don't have the play around you, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your greatness and how you're able to perform. And I think that the Bucks did a tremendous job of a couple of things. One, their base pressure was outstanding defensively. They did a good job with four-man pressures and some five-man pressures, but then mixing in some blitz pressure with some second-level pressure, some corner cat blitzes that really were a little bit tough for them to figure out. And combining with that, putting Devin White in a looper spiral where he was constantly looping to be able to loop and follow the quarterback, be in a position to say, athletically, it's you and me, my friend, and I'm going with you, and I'll peel off only when the ball's coming out, but I'm going to make sure that I don't let you run wild and get a lot of free yards. While Because if you cover well and you don't have a guy on the quarterback that's so athletic that can run, and even though he had the bad toe, he's still capable of making plays with his feet. If you don't account for him, you're in trouble. They accounted for him, accounted for him very well and did a very good job. The linebackers did a good job in coverage. Um, they didn't have to cover long. You know, it's when they had to cover for extensive periods on play extensions, they did a solid job. They really narrowed the throwing windows, but they didn't have to cover very long most of the On most plays, the ball had to come out quicker because of the rush pressure. Therefore, the play extensions were not as successful, A, at times because of the coverage was sticky enough, but B, the pressure forced the ball out before guys could get open. So I thought it was a great defensive game plan. The Bucs had two high safeties the majority of the game to help on the outside, and then they were able to play bracket. They were able to play a, a very effective cover seven look. Um, and at times when they weren't playing cover seven, they played some man underneath. They were very effective. They were very effective. Great job. And, you know, um, always a question, but never the answer definitively is how would the Chiefs have done had they had their full complement up front? Well, we don't know. That's football. Sometimes you have them. Sometimes you don't. It's life. You got to deal with it. Move on. Um, they were not able to adjust to the problems on the offensive line due to the impact of having, uh, I think, being weakened at three spots. Although, I will say this. He didn't play great. Wisniewski, after grading the tape, wasn't as bad um, – as I thought. I mean, Remmers was really poor. Um, they, they really, he, he actually was maybe a, a bright spot on the offensive line when you look at it. the tackles struggled. Um, you know, it was a real, real problem for them. And that combination of the Bucks being able to attack them up front was, was significant. And uh, certainly um, the, the major factor. On the other side of it, while the Chiefs continued to try to figure out ways to solve the Bucks' defense and never could, I mean, listen, I I get it. Fans fans love their team and they predict. And a lot of the Bucks fans thought, "Hey, we're going to win. We're feeling it." And all that. Well, usually the feeling is is just hope. It's not really knowing. It's just hoping. And even the most ardent Bucks homer could not have envisioned shutting out. Chiefs offense, shutting out, meaning keeping them out of the end zone. That was really, really surprising. You throw in some other issues, some drop passes that I thought could have kept drives alive early on for the Chiefs. Big factor. Let's go to the other side of the ball. 
And, you know, I mentioned this in the course of the game. The Chiefs are the best at erasing deficits of any team in the league. They also give up leads. But their offense, usually, you never count them out. You never count them out. Well, they never could crack the code of the Bucks defense. But, you know, you just got the feeling. I don't know. Once they got in the hole, that they weren't defensively going to be able to stop Brady. And stopping Brady is a lot different, even at this age of his career, a lot different than stopping some of the other quarterbacks that they've come back on. So getting off the field defensively against some quarterbacks and some teams, which they have done effectively in the playoffs of the past two years, not Tom Brady. I thought that Brady did a good job, but the, the biggest thing, difference that I see with Tampa saw with Tampa offensively this year was the growth of the running game and the growth of the running backs in both the run and the pass game through the course of the season. I thought they were outstanding. I thought Fournette who's not been a very effective player in this league relative to where he was drafted, certainly um, starting to play well. Now uh, it certainly was a factor for them. Grok was huge in a year where he wasn't huge, but boy, he certainly was huge in the uh, in the playoffs. The other thing that really jumped out at me, and I've mentioned this a couple of times this week in recapping the game, the red zone offense of the Bucks. That's the Patriots' red zone offense. That that is strictly put in by Brady, helping Leftwich put it in. That is clearly stood out and you could see the ability, the weapons that they have. Um, and they were very effective. There is no question that games are called a certain way from an officiating standpoint. And the one thing that stood out to me in last year's Super Bowl was how the officials let the Chiefs, let the guys play both sides. And I thought it really hindered the Niners' ability to come back. I mean, they kind of blew a lead, and I thought the Chiefs were able to play well enough in coverage to overcome that. From the get-go, they called it very tight. And that's how the Chiefs play. And and I thought it it really gave the Bucks offense some offense, some juice and momentum, and, and I think contributed to their early leads. Look, I think in the end, I think the Bucs are just the better team that day. I think they just had the right combination against this Chiefs offensive line that didn't have any answers. But I think certainly all those things kind of contribute and jump uh, at me. Um, lots been asked about where do the Bucs go from here? Who do they sign? Do they bring? Look, I, I got to tell you, you know, and it's a lesson to be learned in every Every Super Bowl champion has their own story. The Bucks clearly at seven and five were trying to find their way. They almost were finding their way out of the playoffs. They didn't lose one game since. It really got better and better and better as year went along. A lot to be said for that. So you can make a point that well, they were playing their best ball towards the end of the year. Now, you automatically think that means starting next year, they're going to be every bit as good as they were at the end of the year. Well, certainly in terms of the offense being put in, the continuity, Brady coming back, a lot of the components coming back, yeah, they're going to be ahead of the game, no doubt, relative to this year. But every year is a new year. And getting a break here, getting a break there, um, again, a break here or there, they don't make the playoffs. I mentioned this before. They really weren't tested other than against the Saints in the playoffs, if you think about it. Saints, Jared Cook doesn't fumble the football. Bucks don't get out of the Saints game. And we're probably looking, I think, at a Green Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl. That's probably how I think it would have played out. We don't know. Don't know. I mean, just subjective look at it, but those are the type of things that, that I think are important to understand when it relates 
to football and how things can change, how momentum can change, how the flow of the game, the flow of a season um, can change. Uh, the Bucks is certainly going to be the favorites in their division next year and certainly going to be one of the favorites in the NFC. So much is going to be about what will happen with these teams this offseason to make somebody better or weaken somebody. Don't know. We're going to see how that works out. Um, you know, it's going to be be quite interesting to see going forward. Uh, the Chiefs, Chiefs are fine. Chiefs are not going anywhere. Chiefs will be in good position going forward. Um, I think they've got to get a little bit better, a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage. I think the Bucks dominated this game at the line of scrimmage. And I do think the one thing strategically that I think the Chiefs could have done better is run the football against the too high look. And with the bracket on, on Hill, I think there were opportunities to run it. When they ran it, they ran it fairly effectively. It was against a depleted box. And but when they got down so much, it takes you out of the run game. I, I think they could have run the football better. And I, I think that um, it, it's understandable when you have a quarterback and you have the receiving weapons that they have. That you, you run the offense like you run it. But they need to be in a better position to do more of what they did, like, for example, against the Bills in that first game during the year when they just ran it and ran it and ran it. You're going to come out and you're going to overplay our pass. We're going to run the football on it. I think they need to be a little bit more patient with that. Um, so we get into an offseason, and uh, we'll see. I still think teams will probably be favorites in the AFC. None of that really matters, but but good teams, and we'll see who can improve. We're going to take you through that right here on this um, show as well as at LandryFootball.com. Um, we're going to take you through the whole process of things that are made, the moves that are made, and, and how it's going to play out, how it's going to affect each of these teams. Uh, we're going to get to some of your questions. Really appreciate your patience, but um, Rock, Matt LaFleur's honeymoon is over. He's talking about Green Bay, of course. Like Sherman and McCarthy before him, he is whacking assistance. This is a sign of a weakness. Seems like the strongest coaches retain their assistance the most. Um, well, I think in this league, there is a lot of scapegoating that goes on. There's a lot of re reactionary moves. But I also think that that's your job as a head coach. And quite frankly, one of the reasons why I always, in the NFL, this is more of an issue. I always implore to hire the best leaders, hire the best organizers, hire the people that can put people in position and make good assessments. Coach the coaches, but make good assessments of what's going good and what's going wrong. It's one thing to say, we're going to hire the guy that can fix the quarterback the best or be the best play caller. You're essentially hiring a coordinator with a head coach title, but he's a coordinator somewhere. You want him to do that for you, and you think, well, that's going to work right here. And very part of what they do is marginalized to some degree, even if they remain the coordinator and play caller, but maybe they're a little deficient in some of the hires. So I think sometimes you get guys like that. And I think you make hires and front office is very often involved in some of those hires and some of those decisions. And when you have that, you have a lot of scapegoating. And a lot of times it's not the head coach's move. It's a little bit of a force move. And um, there's no doubt that the first sign of pressure is you start making moves. Now, it's fine if you make the right moves. It's fine if you bring in guys that – look, you got to shore up some things on defense. By the way, Mike Pettin is going to stay in the division, going to be on the Bear staff. I think you make some decisions that, that are very tough at times – but for the Packers to take that step, they're going to have to continue to, to, to work and improve their run game and their defense because that's what's holding them back. We know they're great at quarterback, and there's always, much like 
you know, we just talked about with Kansas City. Let's placate the quarterback. Let, let's make the quarterback happy. Well, you've got to convince that your quarterback and everybody that the best way to be successful is to build a team that has the most components to deal with every obstacle so that you go into championship. And I think that at the highest level of football in the NFL, that if you don't, if you have a discernible weakness, you're going to get exposed at some point. Maybe not in the regular season, maybe not in the first round of the playoffs. But soon, somewhere, at some point, you will. And I think that's what's kind of held the the pack a little bit sharp. Appreciate Kev. Uh, Kev says, carryover question from another SEC show. How would you rate Josh High School organization skill? You know, the only head coaching job he had is that Central Florida. Um, truth be told, they, they kind of ran him out of Oklahoma. I, I said I think that Josh at Central Florida, I thought he did an okay job. I thought he inherited a job that was really good, is really good, has a lot of talent, has a lot of resources in that conference at that school and relative to the other schools in that conference. I, I would say that it's too certainly too early now at Tennessee. I, I would say at Central Florida, I thought he was okay. Nothing more than okay. And we'll leave it at there until I see otherwise. Rock also with another question. In Nebraska radio interview last month, Barry Switzer lamented he doesn't get enough credit for his time at Dallas because he had to accept all of the previous coaching staff, which made it challenging. Agreed? No. The only reason why Barry won was because of the assistant coaching staff, because Barry was kind of out of the way. The longer when those guys started to get head coaching jobs, that's when Barry's coaching started to come into full effect. And that's when they began to underachieve. So no, it's the, obviously Barry would think that Barry thinks he's a great coach. Barry was a great recruiter. And Barry won with Jimmy Johnson's systems and Jimmy Johnson's assistants, his players. And there's never been a coach that has done so little as a head coach in the NFL than Barry Switzer the year they won the Super Bowl because it was all done, everything. I mean, sideline, org, everything was done for him. As those guys, again, began to leave, and he brought his guys and started doing those old thing. that's when Dallas started to slip. Because, A, Barry did not know the league. Barry was not really as involved. Jimmy Johnson picked the players. When Barry came in, Larry Lacewell was kind of new to it in the NFL, and Jimmy, and it started to get bad, and, and Barry's coaching got exposed. So, no, that's, that is the complete opposite. Rock also says the Super Bowl one Chiefs were, were really panned at the time after losing the fact that you agree that their loss looks a lot less bad 50 years later. Um, look, I thought it was a bad game, a bad performance. I think you can look at a lot of scenarios where it could have been different. Um, I think the Chiefs are fine. I think the future of the Chiefs fine, more so than after Super Bowl one, just because – I think there's a lot that's re- that's returning there. Um, Kev Calargo says, being a Tampa fan as I am, um, kind of lucky that the key offensive linemen have been out in both Super Bowl wins. Barrett Robbins in Super Bowl 37, both tackles on this one. Yeah, remember Barrett Robbins? Out of TCU and was with the Raiders. He went on a binge, went to Mexico the night before and went on a binge. Yeah, you know um, – the Bucks team was pretty good, though. And, I, and, and I'll say that. I think that it's fair, but I do think it's being disrespectful. Not you, Kev, but for, for the people that may. And I know the Chiefs fans may think that. And they think, of, look, it, it's the way it is. It's right. If you're a fan of the Chiefs, it's about our loss and not about what the Bucks did. And if you're the Bucks fan, it's we won, not about that team losing. It's always going to be a narrative by – the media that saw it a certain way or the media that covers a certain team. The bottom line is the Bucks maybe snuck up on people, even me, who studies them every week. 
I kept waiting for them to kind of kick it into gear. And as I said earlier, seven and five, I'm like thinking, okay, look, you're running out of time here. I mean, and then they didn't lose a game, but you'd have asked me at that point at seven and five, they're going to run the table. I'd have said, you're ridiculous. And there's nothing that would indicate that they're getting ready to go on that type of a ride. Um, you know, really were handled by the Saints a couple times. And then, really, I thought in some ways the Saints outplayed them in the playoff game, but couldn't finish. And it's all about finishing. I, I think the Bucks deserve a lot of credit. I think both their lines of scrimmage played well down the stretch. I thought, again, at key moments, you had guys like Fournette and Gronk step up. Brady's Brady. <laughs> God, that defense. The, the edge rush was good. The linebackers were outstanding. And when they were healthy, I thought Winfield played well. When they were healthy-er than they were in the Super Bowl, it allowed them to do some more things defensively, uh, meaning schematically, to, to sit there and play the way they did. Uh, they, they, had, they, had, they were a little bit healthier then. So I, I think they deserve a lot of credit. Um, are officials not taught to only flag flagrant fouls? Why do they perpetually inject themselves into game? Super Bowl, hardly a one-off for, for over-officious jerks. Well, look, you can look at it both ways. I mean, there are a lot of people like San Francisco a year ago thought that they – were not calling it correctly a year ago, and if they had, that the Niners would have won that game. So, you know, there again, it's – it's look, it is very judgmental, and I'm not talking about offsides or, you know, those penalties are dumb penalties, but the – and what you're talking about are close calls. It's difficult, and if without the, without the benefit of review, you're going to have it. I, I, I get it. You know, I don't know that they're trying to inject themselves in the game. In fact, I know that they're not, but you tend to sometimes. Look, I think that here's my view on it always has been, and nothing's changed about my view of these type of calls. If you get an advantage, if you grab a guy, you know, you, you get an advantage, it's a penalty. If it's incidental, both guys going for it, not with a, an advantage, I, I think you let it go. I think if you take every one of those calls, some were legitimate, some I would have let go. It's judgmental calls. I appreciate that, though. Uh, hey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Parrott, um, uh, great, uh, um, great to have you with us. Uh, Chris, is there any chance the Saints can keep Trey Hendrickson? They're going to try. They're going to try hard. What does Loomis do to fix the salary cap problem? Well, Um, Jeffrey, they, you could call it, I don't say good. I don't say bad. They have handled the salary cap. The best way to describe it in layman's term is they've put, they put stuff on the credit card. It comes due, you know, when you put it on the credit card, eventually you got to pay it. You can get it right now. You can bring it home. You got it for convenience. Need a new washer and dryer, you don't have to put it on the credit card. At some point, you got to pay it. The Chiefs have used the, uh, the Chiefs, the Saints have used the credit card effectively the past few years because they're trying to make a run at it, have been trying to make a run at it with Drew Brees. So understandable what they've try, been trying to do. So they they didn't fix the salary cap. People may say, boy, Mickey Loomis did done a good job. Well, they did what anybody would do if they're going to try to create room. They restructure contracts. Drew Brees is one of them. They take and restructure his deal. Give him his money, but give it up front, prorate it to give more cap room. So they've done that. It's not difficult. It's not genius. It's it's – I don't think it's smart or dumb. It's, it's it's what it is. They made a run to make a run in another Super Bowl. Well, they didn't get there. So was it a bad move? You know, I don't know. I mean, they were – they were a Music City miracle away from playing the Eagles 
Don't know if they win that game, go to the Super Bowl. We do know they should have gone to the Super Bowl. Year the game, the game was in Atlanta in the Rams game. I mean, do they get there? Do they win it? I mean, it's certainly worth it in retrospect, hindsight being 2020, if it works, right? All you can do is put yourself in the best position, and they did that. Um, now, you know that, okay? But for folks that don't know, that's what they've done. What do they do now? How do they fix it? Well, to some degree, you're going to have to, if you're going to fix it, you're going to have to draft well, and you're going to have to, maybe you can't get Hedrick's done. Maybe you're going to have to, if you do, it's going to cost you some other people. This is this is kind of in a, they may not call it rebuild, reload, but but they're going to have to do some things differently. Quarterback, you know, position will be a little bit different. It'll allow them to do some other things, but it will also hinder them, hinders them in some areas because they're going to have to pay for some of their past decisions. I won't call it sins, but past decisions that they've made. So they're going to have to kind of retool the roster in some ways. Um, and, And I don't know that the answer is to continue to go down the path of this and that. I think you need to keep core good young players that are going to likely give you production on the back end of their deal. Um, but I, I don't think you want to go and do the short-term deals that they've done before to quote-unquote get them over the top because I don't think that's the answer now. And I think I think it's going to be different. I don't rule out the Saints being competitive, but I don't think they have that edge. And look, I, I don't think Drew has given them a, a great deal of punch downfield offensively for a while, but they were still in better position to play around them. Look, you could make the case again. That's the one team that looked better than the Bucks in the playoffs until they couldn't finish it. You know, so they've been really good. How much better? It's one thing to have success without Drew Brees for a four or five game stretch, like they have been and having to turn the team over to some combination of Winston or Hill or whatever else they might do. So fix it. The way they fix it is they're going to have to eat some of it, move on, and then draft well and have a lot of young guys under contract that they can build with and build around. And obviously, look, I'm going to just tell you this. Sean Payton, I've known Sean, and like a lot of guys, got a lot big ego. He is very eager to prove that he can take a guy and make him a great quarterback. In other words, no one respects or has a fondness for Drew Brees more than Sean Payton. But Sean would love nothing more than to take somebody else and get the Saints in the playoffs. And so you see, look at what I did. That's that's kind of it is. Uh, Rich Coates says, what your scouting evaluation of the Ponzi brothers out of Florida, Mike and Marie. And I grades them both. Um, Mike in particular was the better player of the two, but outstanding. Does Jimmy Johnson regret passing on the chance to make history with the third straight Super Bowl title? I know Jerry was bad, but was he really that bad? The team could have won five in a row. I, I don't know if Jimmy is never given for somebody that's a was a lived football 365 days a year. Jimmy hasn't given much invocation of regret. Look, I don't. No, I don't think he was he that bad. Yeah, because when they took the job, Jimmy was completely in control and Jerry became meddlesome and it, Jimmy was miserable. I mean, he left because he was miserable. So in the eyes of Jimmy, Jerry was that bad. In the eyes of others, no, I mean, I put up with it. Jimmy wasn't going to do that. Now, you know, you saw to some degree Jimmy want to get back into it and took the Dolphins job and you know, had Marino at the very end and he, he didn't have the success with the Dolphins. Um, I, I don't I don't get the impression. I, I don't I don't I haven't gotten any feeling from him that he regrets it. I, I just think that knowing those two that that wasn't going to work. And. um 
is Kevin Clark, is straight talk regarding Russell Wilson legit? No, it's not. Um, listen, let me say this. In trade discussions, I don't ever take anything off the table because you never know what might come across your table as an offer. But, no, they're not, act, they're not trying to move Russell Wilson. But let me say this. You know, I, I'm getting a little bit. This is the old school football guy coming. I'm getting a little bit tired of the – we're getting a little bit NBA eyes. These players think that, you know, Russell Wilson, and I didn't hear the interview, but apparently he said he would like to be involved in personnel decisions. Well, it's not your job, Russell. Okay? You're, you're a player. Players play. Coaches coach. Scout scouts. Administrators administrators administer. Owner's own. You're not qualified to make personnel decisions. Okay? It's not your job. I always felt like that it was appropriate to communicate before maybe the public hears that, hey, look, we're bringing this guy in. We're doing this. I may even ask a player that maybe has a relationship with a player or ask, do you have a relationship with so-and-so? What type of guy is he? Tell me about it. But I would never go to a player and say, what do you think we should do? That's irresponsible. It's, in my opinion, um, unprofessional. That's not their job. It's not their job to do that. And I think it's unfair to them. I I do think that um, there have been people that have some value. I have even taken, for example, a quarterback with me to workouts. Let's say I'm working out receiver candidates. And I know that of, of, you know, different group of guys that probably going to only be able to take one of these guys because they'll go um, similar range in the draft. And I, you know, I will, you know, look at the workout, study the workout, be there. And I, I will maybe say, well, what did you think about these five guys that we worked out, Mr. Quarterback, my starting quarterback? And certainly that's fine. And I don't know what Russell meant or what some of these guys mean, but this, you know, I can tell you this, and this is one of the reasons when people ask me about, you know, getting back and running a team and all that, I'm going to tell you, hell no, Uh, because, you know, I would not have the temperament to deal with that. I like, first of all, I like doing a multitude of things. So I like, I like being around the NFL as much as I am, but also like my involvement college ball. And I also like doing coaching searches. I also like doing personnel. I also like to do advanced scouting coaching stuff. So I like all of that stuff. And I don't, I don't want to do it for one. And I enjoy doing it. This, but, but part of the reason is I was not very good in a political situation. I did not handle that stuff very well. Um, I'm not there to appease anybody. I'm there to do a job. It's my job to do that. And and that's what I'm going to do. And if somebody interferes with me doing my job, I'm out of there. I'm not doing it. Um, Some are not in that position to do that. Some or happy there to have the title. Some just want the credit, the status. Um, You know, there's a lot of things. But I, you know, one of the things that would absolutely drive me nuts is having a player, and they are not happy about it in Seattle, that he decides to go out publicly and say, I like to be more involved in it. Who the hell do you think you are? to be involved in it. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Tom Brady 
absolutely was involved in recommending Gronk, bringing in Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians was on record saying, I didn't want to bring in, I don't think so. No, I don't see any issue there. Tom convinced him. Tom is a unique situation. But Tom, you never heard Tom Brady come out and say, you know, I'm going over there and I want to put this in. I want to do that. I'd like to be more involved. Tom just does things the right way. If you don't think that Tom Brady, as I said, didn't basically put in that red zone offense or, you know, taught, work with Leftwich to put it in and, and gradually evolve in it. If you don't, Tom Brady's the opposite. Tom Brady says, Bruce, you go ahead and criticize me all you want about my interception and all that. I want that because it's easy to go. And that, to me, that type of input is fine. But when you have a guy that thinks he's entitled to be involved in decisions, um, you know, I know that crap happens in the NBA. Um, it's one of many reasons why that's an inferior league in sport, in sports and sport, in my opinion. But anyway, uh, no, I don't uh, – I, I didn't mean to get off on that. Uh, but, no, I think that um, – and I, I realize input – is different than making the decision. I don't. I don't think that. You know, Deshaun Watson should have been involved in who they hire as a GM or head. Look, I mean, you might want to involve a player, even in the interview process with a head coach. You sure as hell don't want that with the GM. So, if Cal McNair or anybody with the Texans told Deshaun that he would be involved, that's a mistake. Now, that's a mistake. You don't tell them they're going to be involved and then lie to them. And then, then you could see how then you give them a right to say, you know what? They lied to me. i tell you right up front. No, you're not going to be involved in that. That's not, um, that's not appropriate. Okay. Your job is we're, we're there to tell you what to do and how it's going to be done and your job to execute it. So no, I don't want you involved in that process that's a that's that's just not the way i do it it may be the wave of the future we may see with the contracts the way they are we may see more of the nba type stuff i don't think it's good for the game and it's certainly not something i'd be a part of um uh let's see here um and what are your thoughts on the Bowden Rich Ride tandem at Monroe, can they finally get it going? I mean, at Monroe, there's not a whole lot to get going. The facilities are not very good. Um, I don't think a whole lot of it, quite frankly. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, Terry's Terry likes to coach. His last coaching job, I'm sure. Rich Ride, I think, can move on. Um, and it's an opportunity. And obviously, he has a background a little bit family connection with uh, with um, with Rich Rod. Uh Chris, what do you think of Meyer hiring of Doyle? Is it worth the risk? I mentioned that last hour. Chris Doyle was the Iowa strength coach <clears throat> that got let go. And I mentioned it on the SEC show that, look, I've known Chris for years. I think Chris Doyle is a great strength coach. I think he's done a phenomenal job. I know him to be a good person. That's what I know of him. I don't know what happened. I mean, I know what's reported that happened, but I don't know if it's true or to what degree. If it was, it's very unfortunate. So the whole issue is this, and I don't want to hear about, well, I heard this. No, nobody, I, I, I don't play that crap. So look, the bottom line is I will let him go. Why did they let him go? Iowa let him go either because in the investigation, it found that he did um, speak racial tones to players. There's something there. Or the PR was so bad that they wanted to get the PR mess. Now, again, 
I like to separate. Okay, so it's one of the two. Now, the word behind the scenes in the coaching fraternity is that Chris is a good guy, that Iowa dumped him due to the PR mess. In which case, if that is true, it's unfortunate for Chris. Because if it's not true, but the perception is that it might be true and it's going to hurt you, your perception, then then we're going to dump you for PR purposes. Well, you know, again, I don't know exactly what's the truth there. I've kind of said what I do know and what I don't know. To Aaron's question, and maybe to his point, I don't know if he's having an opinion on it or not, but he's asking the question, is it worth the risk? I don't know that it is. If I was letting him go for a PR reason, or if they're letting him go for a legitimate reason of something he did wrong, boy, that's an awful risk that Irvin's taken. Because whether, if it's true, it's a problem, of course. If it's not true, it's still a PR issue that he's going to have to deal with along all the lines of NFL free agent recruiting in the locker room. You're dealing with an NFL Players Association that's going to have a lot of questions about, hey, this guy in the current climate, I don't know that it's worth the risk. And I don't know if the hire is going to stick or not. I really don't. It depends upon how many people want to make a stink behind it. I think this is, I think this is, my thought is Chris is really good. And I understand why Urban would want to hire him. But I don't know if it is worth the risk. I think this is Urban not realizing that you're not in Columbus anymore. You're not in Gainesville anymore. You can recruit and hire who you want, and the local college media is going to say, going to have your back because that's what they do, right? And the fans are going to have your back. Well, in the NFL, boy, you're in big city NFL environment. This is going to be under scrutiny. And I think it's going to de- what's going to determine it is the negative PR that comes with it, or if there's something else that comes up in the news cycle that takes it off the front page or second page. I don't know, maybe he can will that. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Rich Coach says, under Belichick, you're going to run things a certain way early on in Brady's career. What were the things that Brady could and can't do? Well, it wasn't a case of what Brady can't. Brady's not a great athlete, but Brady could do anything he wanted. I mean, they ran the offense around Brady in recent years. They ran it. there's, there's nothing, you know, I think maybe Brady would have maybe liked certain things to have happened in personnel moves. Again, that's not, not Brady's decision. I think Brady wanted, was intoxicated by what Peyton Manning had in Denver and how he had some leeway to do things and put things in. And, and I think he was intrigued by that. Uh, the, the thing that really rubbed the, the, wrong way is Brady had his own personal trainer and guy did a great job with them. Well, that personal trainer started to hang around the Patriots facility and began to contradict what the strength coach and the, the strength and conditioning staff and the training staff of the Patriots were telling that's a no, no, that's Brady. He was kind of being, you know, I'm Tom Brady. I can do that. That's as much as Tom kind of is the ultimate team guy. He kind of, he didn't put the stop to that. And he let a guy hang around a little bit in, in, in inappropriate areas. And so Belichick said, you're, this guy's not, you can't come in the facility anymore. And that, I think that became a little bit of an issue. Uh, and again, I don't know how it was actually phrased and discussed, but you know, in my opinion, that's, that's something that Brady should not have done. But it's also probably one of the one of the big reasons why he thought maybe l- let me go see and do it somewhere else. People will look at it and say, "Ah, Brady, Brady showed him." That's well, fine. You know, Brady's successful. Let's give credit for Brady. But 
I'm running a team, there's certain ways you do that. And there's certain ways just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're going to start because what works that strength and conditioning coach, what works for you may not be the best thing for another player. That's why we have it. No, I'm open to ideas, open to ways to get better, but there's a proper way to do that. And it's not done properly. It's not going to work. Love your Wilson comments. We'll leave the game. If it becomes like the NBA could be a total hard ass leadership structure. Sees the NFL in five years. Don't know. Don't know how that'll work. Um, uh, and let's see. Hope everything is having a great Friday on the Chris Landry Football Airways. Hey, we appreciate Wilbur and Gold. That's a new face. And remember, really appreciate that. And uh, come back. Uh, Jeffrey, what message do you think the Cowboys are sending Dak, leaving him out of the hype video? I, You know what? It, it kind of gives the sense that Dak may be elsewhere. I'm working on the free agent work for, for LandryFootball.com. And, you know, that's the one – we got some storylines this offseason. So this show and certainly um, LandryFootball.com, I mean, is Deshaun going to be traded or not? Where, For those of you that are wondering on the Carson Wentz deal, I don't have time to get into it now as we're ending up the show. And we've got uh, the Chuck Oliver show coming up here in a mere couple of minutes. Um, talking college football as only he can. Um we got Deshaun Watson. We've got Carson Wentz. We've got all the details on the Carson Wentz, the hold up there, what's going on there. Is Deshaun Watson going to be traded? What's going to happen with that? All the leverage is with that. Cowboys move on. Where do they move on? I mean, just, just a lot of storylines, and a lot of them revolve around quarterbacks, which kind of moves the needle as much as anybody. So a lot um, uh, to get to there. Hey, uh, appreciate you joining us. Again, uh, check out the Chuck Oliver Show coming up. Uh, we're going to be here, uh, look, all offseason, all weekend, we'll be working a lot, everything from recruiting um, to the draft. Uh, Alabama gets a big commitment. Uh, the 2022 class, we're deep into that. Uh, we're certainly analyzing and wrapping up 2021, the transfer portal information. The University of Tennessee is still looking for a defense coordinator. A lot going on, a lot to keep you up to date on around the world of college football. So make sure you keep it to LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting season sale. Um, uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, hope you have a great weekend. As we said last hour, we know that a lot of folks are in the path of some really tough cold weather that may lock you in uh, for the weekend. Be patient. Be safe out there if you got to get on the road. Uh, be mindful of everyone else and uh, want to speak to you. We'll be back next Thursday, um, uh, God willing, uh, with uh, with some better luck and some things that uh, went awry this week to make the show on Friday. Appreciate you joining us. Have a great weekend. Talk to you, everybody.